Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. She had made some terrible decisions early on in life. The kind of decisions that in a small town get around very quickly. She made the kind of decisions that make you have a reputation that lasts the rest of your life. But not only were her decisions bad, but she had sort of a double whammy because she was from the wrong side of town. If you, were, if you grew up in Greenpoint in the 70s or 80s, it was the part of town where Greenpoint met McDonald's. And so if you go move down that way, it would be more bad part of town. But you have a bad part of your town, don't you? And she came from that part of town where all the other neighborhoods would say, don't go there. It's getting dark. Make sure you don't cross that street. So she had made bad decisions. She had shamed herself. She was from the wrong side of the tracks. It seemed like all the strikes were against her. And then... And then she gets thirsty. Now she holds on to her thirst till it's noontime. The reason she holds on to her thirst till it's noontime, even though she's in an incredibly warm climate, at noon it can get to 110 or higher where she is. It's 110 degrees. When everybody else, in a time that had no air conditioning, Everybody else is inside or under a tree or in some kind of shade. She then decides this is a safe time to go out. And the reason it's safe is not because she's afraid of the sun. She's afraid of the people's words, the whispers that they would have, the things that they would say. Look, there she is. She's walking around with a scarlet letter that never is removed from her soul. She's ashamed, so she comes to the well at high noon when it's hottest and no one else will be there. She wants to be left alone. And as she walks to the well, she's confronted by what looks like a homeless guy from the right side of the tracks. And she wants nothing to do with him. She notices that he doesn't have anything to draw water with. And so he starts a conversation with her. And he goes, and he starts right where she's at. And he says, hey, you thirsty? Why don't you get me a drink too? And they start this incredible conversation where it grows from distant and unknowing to very intimate and personal. Now, she wants still nothing to do with Jesus. And let's face it, many of us didn't want anything to do. Je Jesus? Really? The guy who people follow 
who go into churches like this and act like complete hypocrites when they leave? That Jesus? That Jesus? Who would want to meet this guy? Jesus introduces himself to her anyway and starts to talk, but doesn't just see her scarlet letter. He goes straight to her soul. And he starts to prod and he starts to poke. And as she spends more time with Jesus, her heart is awakened that maybe God does care about her. That maybe a kid from the wrong side of town from the wrong part of the tracks, who is an outcast of the outcasts, that maybe God could care about that person, that maybe God could care about a person who had made all the wrong decisions early on in life. Maybe God could give affection to a person who everybody else thought of as the black sheep. Maybe, maybe, maybe God cared for her. And so she tried to put her best face forward, and then Jesus went right to her biggest shame. And he pointed it out. Usually, when you go on a first date, what's the first thing you do? You dress really nice. I'll tell you, this right here, this is as good as I get, right? Like, if you think this is bad, oh, pray for my wife, because this is as good as it gets, right? Why? Because I'm meeting with you, and when you're meeting with someone in public, you put your best face forward. You're not confessing the deepest secrets of your soul. You just put your best face forward. She put her best face forward, and Jesus said, no, nah, I want to talk to the ugly part. I want to address those things that you have your best face forward, but I know is a source of shame. Everyone, everyone here, everyone here has skeletons in their closets. Everyone here has secrets that they hope nobody else knows. Everyone here has things that they'll never bring out, even to a spouse. It's that dark and that private. And Jesus goes for that. He addresses that. And then he doesn't react the way everybody thinks he should react. You see, Jesus addresses her sin, and the first thing you would imagine is that he goes, you dirty, rotten, filthy sinner, away with you. I don't want to talk with you. And he says, not that. He says, come here. Get closer. I have something to share with you. I have a kind of water that quenches a thirst, not of your palate, but of your soul. I have a satisfaction that goes not on just the physical level, but down to the spiritual. I have a remedy that not only addresses your sickness, but right down to your shame. I am Jesus. She's blown away by this. Totally blown away. She never th heard of anybody like this Jesus. And so 
She is excited out of her skin. And that's where we pick up our story. We're going to turn in the Bible to John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42. And we see our heroine at this uh, stage. Heroine meaning female hero. Not heroine meaning drug that you put into your body. I forgot who I was speaking to. So we see our female hero. And we find her in John chapter 4, four verses 39 through 42. But before we get to the text, you've got to know this. Today, we're going to find out not only what motivated her, but what she did with the motivation. This is really, really important for us, this lesson that we're going to learn today from God's Word. It's important for me, and it's important for you. Because your joy is wrapped up in this. I don't know about you, but whenever I get something really good, I want to share it with others. Are you the same way? Yes. I bet, even if you're not, like let's say for instance that, that has been cut from your personality. When you were a kid, I bet that at one time, when you, the first time you tasted candy, you were like, oh, you got to try this. The first time you tasted ice cream, you were like, my kids, every one of them, it was like everyone who tried uh, ice cream, the first thing that they did was like, oh, you've got to try this. This is amazing. I was like, really? Tell me all about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't believe how good that is. Um, you know why? Because when you receive something wonderful, you can't help but share it. It's a natural and, and so, but it makes the joy of the ice cream even greater. And that's what we're going to learn about today, about sharing Christ. Now, listen, just pause for a second, right? If you're here, and if you're new, you might be like me. When I first came to church, and I came to church much later on, and I know we have people from all sorts of backgrounds. We have people from backgrounds where they grew up in the church, and they were catechized, and they, were, they grew up, and this is, this is all, you know, old hack to them. And they're no longer interested in church, and they want nothing to do with it, and we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We have other people who've been part of a church and who rebelled and said, this is crazy, I want nothing to do with this. We have other people who grew up in church and never left and stayed. That's great. We're glad you're here too. And we have people who have no church background. People who, as far, like atheists, we have in this room right now, every week, I know this is true because I meet with you, um, we have atheists, agnostics, we have Buddhists, we have Muslims, and I just want, to, I want you to know that we create this environment especially for you. We want to create a safe place where you could hear God's word and, and just receive. And so we're grateful that you're here. But the moment that I say we're going to learn about sharing our faith, if you're anything like me, it's offensive. It's offensive on so many reasons. In fact, I could see myself saying, before I got into this God thing, I could see myself saying, you know what? I like some of the things that you Christians believe. Like the forgiveness piece, that's pretty cool. 
you know, as long, well, as long as you're not asking me to forgive, as long as you're giving forgiveness, that's pretty cool. Um, you know the, the feeding the poor piece? You know, how many, you know how many families we fed yesterday? Families, groceries that we gave to families. 400 families. 400 families we fed yesterday in the name of Christ. Right? And, 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 and I would say something like, you know what, guys? I like that about you. I like that you're caring for the poor. I like that you um, help the brokenhearted. I, I, I like the kind of spiritual... Cre- but you know what? This part about you guys proselytizing, it just, would, it just gets my goat. Why don't you just keep quiet about it? Why don't you just keep it to yourself? And, and the response, and by the way, totally understand that. And if you're in that camp right there, I'm with you. Oh, man, I feel that deeply. I get that. But here's why we can't be quiet about it. This is the reason why. Here's the reason why. It's because Christians are not trying to proselytize so much as they're trying to share good news. Now, here's here's the deal. If it's good news, it's got to be shared. Just imagine this. You go, no, not really. I go, all right, well, give me a minute, and then you can tune me out after the minute if you like. But watch this. Say, for instance, the, some doctors had gotten together, and they had discovered that all of the treatments that we have for cancer, not only do they not work, they cause more harm. But at the same time, they found a treatment to cancer that worked every time. That if you worked, if you, if you took the medication, if you took the prescription that they had, that that would work. Now, imagine if they put their report in the Journal of Medicine, right? If they put the report in the Journal of Medicine saying, everybody, the... the the cancer treatment that you're taking is bad for you. Stop taking it and start taking this new form of treatment. You would not say to those doctors that they were trying to proselytize. You would say, what good news? Especially if you had cancer. You see, the Christian is just like that. The Christian is saying, hey guys, there's this thing we call life. And there's a way that you could live your life pursuing something else. The Bible calls it a savior. And everybody has one, at least one. Something that will save them. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled that think being in a romantic relationship will make them happy. You know what they're saying? They're saying that the romantic relationship is their savior. It saves them out of their unhappiness. I can't tell you how many people I've met who said, you know what? If I just do another drug, maybe have one more drink, maybe smoke one more joint, maybe snort one more coke, maybe shoot up one more. If I just did one more, I would be just fine. You know what we call that? A savior. 
I can't tell you how many people I've met who said, you know what, it's been a rough, rough day. What I need right now is a little bit of Entenmann's, right? <laughs> Just some cookie and a little bit of cake, maybe throw in some Haagen-Dazs. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, right? Sure, right? And, and what you do is you, you get that, and you know what happens? It takes a little bit of the edge off because you were stressed out, and what you needed was a savior. Or I can't tell you how many people, after they come home from work on a Friday night, they get paid, and they go out, and they just need one more pair of shoes, one more nice dress, one more nice suit, one more pair of pants. Why? Because this will make them feel better because what they need, they're sad. And so what they need is, uh, I wonder if you know what I'm going to say next. A savior. Everybody has a savior. And so Jesus goes to the journal of the medicine of the soul. And he says, guys, all of the stuff that you're using, it's going to be, it's not only not good for you, it's harmful for you. It's not only not going to satisfy your soul, it's going to kill your soul. The food will, the relationship will, nothing is big enough to take the weight of all of your hopes and dreams. And I'm telling you, haagen works between 8 and 2 in the morning, I agree. But I'm, there are more hours than that. All these other saviors take your life. Jesus says, and, and, and think about this. If God, the king of the universe, and just, I know, everything, if I, everything I said you disagree with, just use your imagination for a moment. If there is a God, I'm just saying if, not saying that there is, but if there is a God and he's truly transcendent and he's truly all-knowing and he's truly sovereign and he knew everything about you and he knew that your only joy, that your joy in its fullest form would be found in him, wouldn't he be cruel to keep that a secret? Wouldn't it be cruel if those scientists who had discovered that new cure said, you know what, I'm not going to tell anybody. It's a good thing, but you know what? This discovery that we made, it's a private issue. Not going to tell anybody. What, you, know, you know, somebody comes up to the scientists and they say, hey, scientists, we heard that you guys found it. I'm not saying. You know, I don't talk about those things. Politics and science, no, don't talk about that. Wouldn't that be something, see, you would, you would think that that would be absurd, and it is absurd, because if you have something that would save your body, you would want the cure. Well, listen, beloved, there is something that Jesus says will save your soul better than haagen better than clothes, better than the relationship, better. And he says, I want everyone to know, and that's why Jesus says, I want you, all of you all of you, to tell others about Jesus. And then he wraps your joy around it. Because isn't it fun when you share the ice cream? Right? Isn't, doesn't your joy just increase? Your joy doesn't diminish. Your joy increases. So this is where we find our hero. She is there. She's just received this unbelievable joy that her shame doesn't have to define her. That Listen to me, that her biography does not have to be her destiny. 
that her past does not have to say who her future, how her future will be. And she goes, oh no, I cannot keep this to myself. You can't, you can't make me. You can try, but you can't shut me up. And that's where we find her. Now, in this church, we do something that's really awkward. Don't anybody stand right now, please. We do something that's really awkward. One of the things that we do is we stand for the reading of God's word. Now watch. The reason that we do that is because we want to remind ourselves that God's word is better than my ideas. So just like if a, if a president walked in a room, we would all stand and salute. It's the same reason. It's an honor issue. We want to honor God's word. With that in mind, would you please stand as we read God's word? Okay, I want us to read together in a nice, loud voice, but I only want the beautiful people to read, okay? <laughs> Just the pretty people, okay? All right, on the count of three. Uh, one, two, three. Many of the Samaritans from the town... This is God's word. Please have a seat. So we see where she's at. She is touched by the hand of God, and she's moved by the fact that her identity is not found in anything else. Now it's found in Christ. She can't keep quiet. So many of the so she goes to the town. This is awesome. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's words. Because of the words of the woman. Not because of her behavior. Everybody knows that her behavior was less than spectacular before this. But it was because of her words. Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Isn't that a great phrase? Now what's interesting is that Jesus didn't have like five days with her to tell her everything that she ever did. She's using a euphemism. We have that um, sort of like, you know, in, in America we have that like, oh man, you know, so-and-so's got your number, right? Well, we're not actually saying that they have their, your phone number or your address number. What we're saying is, is that they, they've got you pegged. Well, what she's saying is, he's got me pegged. He told me everything there is to know about me. Let me tell you something. Isn't it true that on the first date, like we talked about before, the reason that you don't tell everything to that person is because if you told them everything on the first date, they wouldn't be a second date? Sure. It's like, right, common sense, right? It's like, no, nah, I ain't going to tell them. You have any kids? I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Do you? Yeah? All right, I guess I do too. Yeah, right? It's like, you don't tell everything on the first date. And the reason you don't, and the reason you don't, the reason you don't is why? It's because you realize that if they knew everything about you, they wouldn't want to stick around. God is different, though. God wants to know everything about you and says this, I am crazy, crazy in love with you. 
The love that you've been looking for in his embrace is found in mine. The love that you've been looking for in that comfort is found in mine. The love that you've been looking for at the depth of the bottle is found in the depth of relationship with me. She can't get over it. He told her everything about her. And now she wants to tell everyone everything about him. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Isn't that the coolest thing? So first, first they hear her words. But this is the second step. Then they hear Jesus' words. And that is where, remember last week we talked about, hey, what does it look like to share your faith? And sometimes it just looks like sharing your story and then just being quiet, right? You know, someone is going through a divorce, you've been through a divorce, and you say, hey, you know, um, I went through a divorce. It was one of the darkest times of my life, and my church family really helped me through the process. And then you're quiet. And that's it. This week what we're saying is we're going to take it another step forward. We're going to say, hey, my church family helped me with this process. And I I go to a Bible study. Would you like to come? Because I don't want you to just hear my words. I want you to hear his words. Because it's his words that transform, as we're going to see in a second. And because of his, what is it? Words. Because of his words, many more became believers. And then they said this. This is awesome. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is the savior of the world. Isn't that a good phrase? He's the savior of the world. But he's not just the savior of the world. He's the savior of your, he's the savior of your eating disorder. He's the savior of your terrible personal image. He's the Savior from your fears. He's the Savior from greed. He's the Savior from your desire to be important in the eyes of others. He is the Savior of you trying to people-please everyone around you till you drop dead. He is the Savior. Savior of your Soul. Not just, oh, Jesus is the Savior. He's sort of like a little bit of fire insurance because who wants to go to hell, right? And so he's like a little bit of fire insurance and then you go to heaven. No, no, no. Listen, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus being the Savior of each moment of your life. I mean, that's crazy. Because everybody's looking for a savior. Maybe I mentioned yours, maybe I didn't. But everybody has a savior. Everybody has something that they look to, that they think if they get it, it will make them happy. And if you're very, very unfortunate in life, you actually get it. And then realize it's not enough. Jesus is the only one who says, I'll give you a desire for me and... I'll be enough. I'll be more than you can stand. You'll be like, whoa, too much. Thank you. You are wonderful. But you have an opportunity. 
to share with others. And the reason you share with others is because you're so grateful for all that God has done in your life. So here's the big idea for today. All who meet Jesus want all to meet Jesus. It's, this, is, this is obvious. It's better than ice cream. Better than that new suit. Better than the thing you think will fix you if you just get that thing. He, Jesus, is better. So, so there's two groups of people here. There's one group of people, and this group of people are the people who are like, you know what? Interesting. But I don't feel comfortable talking to people about Jesus. Let me speak to that. Okay. I want you to think about what Jesus did to make sure that you heard his word. So think about this. Jesus goes from heaven to earth to live the life that you should have lived, but you didn't. And die to the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to. Because he died it for you. Listen. Jesus comes from heaven to earth, experiences the punishment for your sins, making a way for you to have relationship with the Father. That is available to you. And listen, think about that till it makes the hairs on your arms stand up. Think about this. I am so, this is why, listen to me. This is why Christians should always be humble. So when I share my faith with an atheist, when I share, and I know this is going to get controversial, I know. When I share with an atheist, when I share with a Muslim, when I share with a Buddhist, when I share with an agnostic, when I share with a spiritualist, when I share with a Hindu, when I share my faith, I automatically assume that they're better than me. You go, huh? What? No, really. I assume that. You know why? Because my story is, I'm so bad, somebody had to die for me. That's how bad I am. Like, that's, that's my story. Like, I assume that they're a better husband than me. I assume that they're a better parent than me. I assume, you know why? Because if they go to me and they say, you know, you're going to tell us about Jesus, but look at you. You're such a bad parent. You're such a bad husband. You're such a bad pastor. I go, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> I'm really loved. And I'm not loved because I'm good. I'm loved because he's good. Listen, so I can come with my shame and I can come with my mess and I go, you go, I'm not ready. Listen, no time's like the present. You go, but really, I got to get my act together. Beloved, Jesus sees you like 20 years from now. I think he's trying to say that the act is still going on. Okay? Just so you know, your act will not get together on this side of the planet. Okay? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've told you this before, but we have, in this room, we have, oh my gosh, we have murderers and rapists and, and adulterers and gamblers and haters of other people, and that's just the person on the stage. I'm telling you, in the rest of this room, it gets really, really bad. It's, it's awesome. So what are we saying? We're saying we have 
good news. And everybody, all who meet Jesus, want all to meet Jesus. So, so, there are those of you who are saying, yep, Edwin, I'm ready to go. What do you, come on. What, what, what should we do now? I think I'm buying in and I'm there. Okay, cool. Let me tell you. Here's what I suggest. What I suggest is you just pray about your friends. Start praying about your friends. Tell Jesus about your friends. And then tell your friends about Jesus. Okay? And so here's, here's what you can do. And again, don't be weird about this. We have such a reputation. You should know this. We have, a, our team has an incredibly bad reputation about how we share um, because we get excited, and I get that, right? Like, I get excited, and I go, you know, it's like somebody goes, hey, you know, what'd you do on Sunday? Oh, I went to church. Do you want to come too? Come on, come on. You know, it's like, you know, do you, I know Jesus. Do you want to know Jesus? Come on, you got to know Jesus, or are you going to go to hell? Like, it's like too much, right? It's like, it's, it's crazy. What we need to do is we need to be easy, and here's what we need to do. So we see somebody, and we say, hey, how you doing? How's your weekend? Then they tell us how their weekend was. Oh, that's great. We ask other questions. We get to know them a little bit more. We get to know them a little bit better. We actually start loving people like Jesus loved them. Not, they are not our project. They are not our project. We don't love people so that we can. No, we love people because we've been loved. Didn't, didn't you hear what I just said before? Jesus lived the life that you should have lived and died the death that you deserve to die. We, are, we love because we've been loved. We care because we've been cared. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We show mercy because mercy has been bestowed unto us. We extend simply what God has been given, what God has given to us in Christ. And then, so we go, we ask them about their weekend. They tell us, we ask more questions. We get to know them. Isn't that interesting? That's wonderful. If they ask, hey, how was your weekend? Man, my weekend was great. Um, I went to church and we talked about um, being grateful for what we've been shared with in Christ and then sharing that with others. And then your friend in the next cubicle go, okay. And then they go right into the next work, then you just, you're fine. And if God opens a door, that sounds really interesting. Tell me more. If God opens a door, there are more opportunities. You can go, hey, we're having a service. And I'm telling you, we're, we're going to do our best not to weird you out. We're going to do our best not to freak you out. It's, it's not that bad. If you come, it's a pretty reasonable place. Come to church. Come to church with me. I'll pick you up. That's one way to do it. You know, another way to do it is right there. You can literally open your Bible. You can open your Bible, and you can go, for the first time, you can go, you know why I love Jesus? And whatever the verse, that, whatever Jesus' words were that drew you to himself, you can ask them to read those same words. And so I might open up, say, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whomsoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I ask them to read it. And I go, hey, who do you think the world includes? And they eventually, they go, I don't know. I go, think about it a little bit more. Maybe. And they read it over and over. Listen to me. They read it over and over, and they go, man, maybe that includes me. Cool. And what's God's disposition towards you who are part of this world? Oh, it seems to say that he loves me. 
but you don't understand. Hey, 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 I'm not asking. Listen, just, just read the words. Just read the words. I told you my words. Hear his words and see if Jesus doesn't transform their life. That's another way to do it. Another way to do it is to go to this Bible study training thing that's happening Wednesday, December 2nd at 7 p.m. to 8.30. And the reason that's so good is because then you can invite your friends to a Bible study in your house. And I'm just telling you, before I came to Christ, I'd be far more willing to go to your house than I would to be going to church with you. Like, and especially if you got the good cookies, I'll go to your house, right? Now watch this. Maybe it's as simple as opening up your house, making yourself vulnerable. Scary, right? Nothing nearly as scary as Jesus going to the cross for our sins. See, the gospel is simply this, and I've told you this before, but you should know. The gospel is you're worse than you think. The whole world makes you want to think that you're better than you are. You're not. I'm telling you, I'm starting with me first. You're worse than you think. God knows you down to your toes. He knows every second of every life, every moment of life. Watch this. You're worse than you think, and you're more loved than you can imagine. He knows you, even the dirtiest parts about you, and he loves you more than you can ever imagine. That's the Christian message. And that's a message worth sharing because all who meet Jesus want all to meet Jesus.